Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. Well, good morning. My name is Sean Huggin, and I'm the Associate Pastor here at Exchange Church, Um, and it's a privilege any time. You get the opportunity to open up the Word of God and and teach it, because His Word is alive and active. Um, It never returns void. It's never pointless, random words just thrown onto a page for moral superiority or to sound good, Um, but it's for our benefit. And it's for our guidance, it's for our understanding, and it's for our growth. So today's talk, it it certainly inspired me as I was um, putting it together and as I was researching and looking into uh, this scripture that Frankie read out so well for us before, and I pray that it will do the same for you uh, today as well. So I have a question to open up today's talk, and it's this. It's a long question. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where... You just feel like you have been sucker punched right in the gut, where you have had the weight of the world on your shoulders, where you've been carrying this burden or this load and it's just been way too much for you to carry. Have you ever been in a situation that has caused so much stress um, that the developments of it Uh, directly impacted the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way that you behave, the way that you act? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you feel weak, where you feel defeated, you feel vulnerable, and you have no idea what on earth is ever going to turn this around? Maybe that's you right now. Maybe it's been you in the past. Maybe you're here today, and you're hurting, and you're struggling. And times are incredibly tough. You're in a mess and you have no idea what on earth to do. If that is you, I get it. Not your personal situation, but I do understand the pressure of it all. So in these circumstances, what do we do? We can feel lost. We can feel frustrated. We can struggle to think straight. We can struggle to focus. Sometimes we just want to curl up into a ball and just sleep for hours on end. Well, there is good news in all of this. And that good news is that we have a God who cares for us, who protects us, who comforts us. And we're going to explore this God of all comfort this morning. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you uh, that we are able to come together as a family in Christ here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have, by your grace, allowed us to come to church this morning and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we were able to worship in song before, and now we can worship you through the following and the studying of your word, which you have given to us um, out of your grace and out of your love. I do pray, Lord, that you would open up our ears to hear from you this morning, open up our eyes to see you this morning, and just soften our hearts to what it is that you want to teach us. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, one thing that we must be absolutely aware of as Christians is that God never promises to erase our problems completely from us. I think it's important that we understand that. 
God never says that if we're going through a difficult time in our lives, that he would just grab us and pull us right out of there. In fact, uh, he actually promises the opposite. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus also promises uh, many times that the world, he says, the world will hate you because of me. And that in order to be his disciple, we must take up our cross and follow him. Now, what does the cross represent? It represents suffering. It represents sacrifice. It represents death, dying to self being made alive in Christ. So we aren't ever promised this freedom and and this bliss in the way that we look at it from the world's uh, perspective, where the daily struggles of life just don't apply to us. As soon as we become Christians, everything's just all uh, rainbows and lollipops and everything's all good. Now, there are levels of extremities when it comes to differing tribulations, obviously uh, in third world countries or other countries overseas, the grind can be severe every single day. Uh, In the West, we still have a large amount of circumstances that can just drag us down and that can defeat us. And sometimes we do have to make sure that we're not uh, trying to compare our situation to other situations because what we go through is very real Um, And and we don't want to minimise that either, or the situations that uh, our friends and and family is going through. In the West, we can have things like relationship breakdowns, death, losing a job. Right now, you might be thinking of something that's bringing you down. And these are all very real. And our responses to these things are raw, genuine human responses. So again, I ask, what do we do? Well, as I was reading through this passage uh, in 2 Corinthians, I I noticed that there is a lot in there, a lot of intimate reading uh, in understanding the way that God works in the midst of our trials. And it's beautiful to know that even when we go through the darkest days, we have a God who comforts us, who protects us, who is there for us 100% of the time. And we can rest in him. And now, as as we think of the word comfort, now some form of the word translated into comfort in this letter is the word in the Greek, paraklesis. And that appears 29 times in this letter. So you can see where where John was, uh, sorry, where Paul was trying to go. Now, the idea of the word paraklesis is more than just uh, this momentary relief from pain. We think of comfort, we think a big hug and and just this momentary, just take it all away. Um, But it's more than that. It actually also involves encouragement and it involves strengthening. So uh, as we think about God's comfort, it enables us to quit striving in our own strength and instead to rest and to be strong in his strength. God's comfort goes beyond a cuddle. It propels us forward through our trials to come out of it stronger and in a deeper relationship 
with him. And sometimes when we come out of the back end of our own trials, we're then able to help others when we see them going through something similar. And God can use us like that. So, again, I was asking the question, what does God teach us through his comfort and uh, in our sufferings? There's four things that I picked up on that uh, Paul talks about. Now, the first one is receive comfort, provide comfort. So as we are comforted by God in our trials, we in turn can comfort others. If we look uh, at verses 3 to 4 from 2 Corinthians 1, uh, as was read before, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, this is a two-part point. The first part being, we are comforted by God. We can take full confidence. We can take that to the bank. Never, ever think you have to go through your darkest periods of life alone. Never think everything is hopeless. Never think you ever have to fight a solo battle. Sometimes it may appear that way and and in the trenches of despair how do you possibly see the light sometimes sometimes that's how how we think that's how our mind goes but let me tell you this you're not alone you are not alone it's not your battle to fight solo it's not all hopeless god is right there and he is merciful and he comforts believers in christ have this comfort from god which, by the way, also includes a freedom from guilt and shame. He brings this peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes, within the natural, such a peace, it doesn't make any sense, given our circumstances or, or the certain situations we're in. But through the compassion, through the mercy of God, he brings us this peace that we didn't ever think could be possible. Now, of course, this is in uh, sharp contrast to uh, the world uh, uh, and the cruel and harsh and painful patterns of this world. The reason we suffer is because of the world that we live in. But we are in the world. We're not of the world. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And we serve God Almighty who has compassion on the broken heart. He binds up our wounds. He is merciful to the downcast. He seeks those who are lost and those who are hurting. And the second part of this two-part point is that we too can then comfort other people. And I want to emphasize this point emphatically. As we receive comfort from God and, and we experience the joy and the peace and the overwhelming love in those seasons, we in turn are to provide that same intimate help towards others. If we think for a second, we know what it's like to hurt. We know what it's like to feel lost. We know what it's like to feel abandoned, to feel broken. And then we know what it's like to feel comforted. How good does that feel? How amazing is it when... 
in the worst period of your life, someone would just come alongside you and be there for you. Will help you not just through the season, but in strengthening you going forward as well. It feels amazing to have someone to care for you in that way. Well, that's exactly what God does. And then he asks us to be that same person for those around us. So when we do comfort one another, firstly, we need to make sure that our heart is in the right place. We're there for them. We're there to point them to Christ through it. Don't have to have all the answers. I know I can recall countless times where people have come up to me with certain matters and things that that they're going through that have deeply affected them, and I have absolutely no idea what to say or what to do. I feel for them. My heart bleeds for them. I have compassion for them, but I don't know what to do from here. I don't know what to say that could be helpful or what to do that could get them out of this situation. But what you do from there... This is, this is just my advice, Sean Advice 101, is genuinely asking questions. Show that you care. Get to know what is truly happening. Just be an ear to listen. You don't always need to be giving the advice, so to speak. Sometimes people just want to vent. Sometimes people just want to talk through their issues. Be willing to hear them. Be willing to care enough to just spend time listening, regardless of how long that might take. Now, other times there will be opportunities to do something, whether that be advice. Maybe it's taking them out somewhere just to take their mind off the situation. Maybe it will be a gift, remembering that we are doing these things from a place of selflessness for that person and in honouring God as we do so. We are ultimately called to love one another. We are the church. We are a family. Love one another as Christ first loved us. Now, no pun intended, but sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zone to support someone or to help someone out. As God comforts us, we in turn should then be comforting one another. The second point that Paul makes is that sufferings and comfort are related. Now, you might be thinking, suffering, comfort, they're completely opposite things. How do they relate? Poles apart, no similarities. And you're correct. There is is zero similarities between them whatsoever. They're different in and of themselves, but they're both a direct result, result of living a life for God. Having a relationship with God means that we have eternal salvation. We don't just look at the here and now. Our life on earth is a short time, but eternity is eternity, lasts forever. And we have our sins, which have separated us from God, eternally wiped clean. We are totally forgiven for all the wrongs that we have ever done. The debt we owed was paid for in full on the cross. But in living for Christ, it has its difficulties while we're on earth. We will experience hardships, rejection, mockery, pain, persecution, because the world that rejects Jesus also hates those who follow Jesus. 
So as Christ suffered, so will we. And he promised that that would happen. And that could look a vast array of different ways. And remember, there is an enemy out there. He knows how to bring us down. He knows exactly what buttons to push. He knows how to rip us apart and how to drag us to the depths of despair. But he's defeated. Jesus Christ is risen. And Jesus has more power in an eyelash than Satan could ever dream of. So while we do share in the sufferings of following Christ, of of being a target of the world, of being a target for persecution, and, and yes, that can therefore bring all kinds of brokenness and anxiety and, and worry, we must be encouraged in knowing that we also share in the comfort of God during these times. And we can then share that comfort of God with one another. The third point that Paul makes is troubles teach us to rely on God. If we look through verses 8 to 10 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Now, uh, it's, it's through this event which Paul is going through that prompted him to write this part of the letter on God's comfort and how we are also to comfort uh, one another. We don't know the exact details of what was happening to Paul and, and to his fellow believers in Asia at this time, but it could very easily be attributed to opposition uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and persecution there. Um, but from Paul's wording, seems to be quite severe and dangerous Opposition. Paul said he felt they were going to die. They were burdened beyond their strength and had effectively lost all hope in survival. But Paul says there was good reason for this. Even in suffering, Paul is looking to the good plans and purposes of God. He says this was to make us rely not on themselves, but on God. He thought they were walking through the valley of death, but they could rely on a God who raises the dead. And in relying on God, he delivered them from the situation they were in. And they have full assurance, full hope that God will continue to deliver them. And and that doesn't mean um, that they will never die, because that is a natural part of life. We all live, we all die. But he knows that they can trust in God in all circumstances. No matter how far gone things seem, God is sovereign. That means that God is in full control. And we can trust that he knows what he's doing. He's known what he's been doing from the very beginning. And nothing's changed. 
He knows what the end game is. He has planned and purposed everything. If I can share something briefly with you, uh, the past number of months for me have been really tough. And as I look back on my life, I don't think I've ever been through something as difficult as what I'm going through right now. And sometimes you just don't know what to do when, when the struggles become reality and your whole world is just turned upside down. When life, as you once knew it, just completely changed, completely did a 180 on you. No longer looks the same, never will ever again. What do you do in these times? Do you sleep it away? I've tried that. Do you just get lazy and and do nothing because it's too much of a burden to bear and to carry? I've tried that as well. Maybe you find other hobbies, something else to do to take your mind off things. I've tried that too. But these are all mostly reactive responses, reactive approaches to feeling downcast. The best response is prayer. The best response is spending time with God, relying on God in in the process of these gigantic shifts in what's happening and what takes place in our lives. It can sometimes be easy to get angry with God, to not understand God. I loved what Sam was saying earlier before singing Goodness of God. We've seen it happen where, where the natural emotion of human nature just has us looking for answers. And we can't believe that this good God, this God of love, would allow these sorts of sufferings to occur in our lives. But God's not at fault. Unfortunately, these things are sometimes just what happens in a broken world. And it creates all sorts of pain. It creates all sorts of distress. But what we should be doing is relying on God to help us to get through these difficult seasons, knowing that he will comfort us, knowing that he will protect us. He will strengthen us. He is merciful. He is compassionate. We need to keep reminding ourselves of these things. He cares. He cares so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us in our place. That should have been us, but Jesus did it on our behalf. He paid our debt of sin in full. We should be running to God, not away from him. And the other thing we need, and I spoke on it a bit before, is fellowship with one another. Fellowship is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. One thing that that has helped me through my season is just having people around to just simply enjoy, to laugh, to share with, to love, all in the name of family. Because that's, that's what the church is built as. It's built as a family in Christ, brothers and sisters, family of God. We're always there to support, always there to protect, always there to comfort, always there to encourage. We're always there to be there for one another, to provide for the needs of one another. Now, I've had a number of people that don't even realize it, and they've been a massive help for me during this time. And I only hope and and pray that I can be the same when other people are going through the ringer as well. Well, the fourth point that Paul makes is pray. For those who are suffering. 
In verse 11, he says, You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. We all know uh, people that are going through difficult situations, whether that be within our church, whether it be outside of church. Here's a question. What do you do about it? Do you feel bad for them and hope that things get better? Do you offer some kind of advice? Do you offer yourself as a listening ear? Do you endeavour to do something for them? Sometimes these things aren't plausible and sometimes they just aren't the wise things to do in that given situation as well. Important to read the person, important to read the room, understand the situation and, and know what might or might not be a helpful avenue. But one thing that is always appropriate is prayer. Forever appropriate. And Paul urges the church in Corinth here to pray for him and and his fellow believers. He is urging them here to help them by praying. Not by doing anything physically themselves, but by praying. Because prayer is the greatest asset. It's the greatest tool that we have at our disposal. It's a blessing that we get to communicate with God. It's direct communication with Him. And God is just and He is gracious to hear our prayers. Let us remember that God is God and and we are not. So if something doesn't align with God's overall plan, it won't happen. That's just the way it is. And we need to be mature enough as Christians, um, as believers, to just accept that that's just how it will be sometimes. But that shouldn't stop us from praying either. God loves to hear from each one of us. Because he loves each one of us. Remembering that prayer is not our last resort. It's our first approach to all circumstances. Whether it be a struggle or whether you just might be really happy and celebrating something. Pray. Pray. Give it all to God. And Paul is saying here, help us. And when he says help us, he's saying pray for us. There is only one who can help in this situation. And that is God himself. And here's the thing. This is a benefit of suffering. Many people uh, knew the situation of Paul and and his team that were in Asia. They prayed and, and they asked God for his help in this circumstance. And now they've seen God answer their prayers as well as he spared Paul and his friends and, 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 uh, and helped them through that situation. As a result of this, they can now testify to the work of God through the trials and through the tribulations that they were going through. And they can thank God. They can attribute their victory to God for his answer to prayer and knowing that he cares for the afflictions of his people. There's one more thing I want to share about uh, suffering and and about God's comfort in the midst of suffering. Let's consider the book of Daniel. We did a series on Daniel earlier in the year. Uh, Let's talk about the story of the fiery furnace. The king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, he'd set up a golden image. And the people of Babylon were to bow down and worship the statue whenever they heard all the different instruments sounding. 
Anyone who didn't follow this instruction was to be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, basically to be executed. Well, there were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow to the image. They said, we will not bow to this idol. We will not worship any other gods but the one true God of Israel. And so for their stance, they were thrown into the furnace. Now, the furnace was so hot that it actually killed those guards, the men who took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, to the furnace before those three had even gone in. But then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He was sure that he had thrown three men into the fire. And he asked his counsellors, and they affirmed it. And he said, well, why is there four in there then? And the description of the fourth man in there was that of Jesus Christ. And when the three men came out of the furnace, there was not even as much as soot on them, not even the smell of fire. So here's the thing, and we all need to know this because this applies to all of us. We all go through trials in life. We have and we will and we will again. God doesn't just pull us out of our situation and say, off you go, on your merry way. As good as that sounds and as easy as we think that would be, because then we would never have to worry about suffering ever again. How good does that sound? But he does something far greater than that. He's there with us in the storm, in the fire, in the trenches, in our circumstances. We can rest assured we are not alone. Our king is right there beside us, mourning with us, comforting us. When life is tough, we have the confidence of knowing that he is there with us. And he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. We don't have to walk through our challenges alone. We are never alone. Seek God because he is there. And we will come out of these trials without even the stench of that circumstance on us. Just a final thought here. Uh, the, cha- the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21, verses 4 to 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We might be going through the ringer right now, but that won't last. The agony, the pain, the mourning, the struggles, it won't last. But a life with Jesus will. Eternity in the kingdom of God is is nothing like life on earth. Because all the struggles and the reasons for the struggles that we face today, they won't exist in the life to come. Death no more. Mourning, gone. Crying, done away with. Pain finished. All those are a result of sin. And life in heaven 
I'm sure when we walk into through the pearly gates, there'll be a big sign there that says sin-free zone because there will be no sin, sin no more. And these words are trustworthy and true. We can take it to the bank. God's got us. So be comforted by his word. Be comforted by his love. Be comforted by his grace. Be comforted by the fact that he took it upon himself to go to the cross to pay the price of death for what we have done. And he did that so that we might have the opportunity, the opportunity to live forever with him, to live forever in his comfort, his peace, his joy, his hope, the glory, his loving kindness forever. And because of his sacrifice, we will one day go home where suffering no longer exists. But instead, we'll rejoice in eternal glory. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you uh, that you are a God of comfort. Lord, I thank you that you care for the needs of your people. Lord, I thank you that you are a loving God, that you are a close God, that you are an intimate God. And that, Lord, you are near. You are not far away watching as we struggle with life, but you are right there beside us. Lord, I pray for our church family, Lord. I pray for those that might be going through difficult situations right now. Lord, that they would know that you are right there. You are right there in the situation with them. Lord, and just like, um, just like the, the story of the fiery furnace, Lord, that uh, they would know that you are there and the stench of the fire would not be on them as they come out of that situation. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, that is the greatest comfort of all, of knowing that we have the eternal promise of a life forever with you, forever in your glory. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your comfort. I thank you, Lord, that you walk our journey with us. And our journey does not end when our life ends, but it just continues eternally in your kingdom with you forever. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.